sports fans of all ages, faces, and places from every stadium, arena, and auditorium all over the world. May I have your attention, please? Well, time's coming when we're going to have to handy up. Handy up and kick in like men. Like men! It is now time to bring to your listening ears, hearts, and minds a sports podcast named Wendell's World in Sports with the one and only Wendell Wallace. Tell him how you feel. A podcast that gives you strong, passionate, unapologetic, uncompromised thoughts and opinions about the everyday happenings in the NFL. Mahomes looking to flip, takes it in for the touchdown. And college football to the NBA in my Georgetown Hoyas. Giannis fires one down and an exclamation point for Milwaukee. To any other sporting news of the day. And now, introducing the man whose love of sports was born and bred on the greatest Muhammad Ali, Lim Bias, Magic Johnson, Bernard King, and Eric Dickerson, Wendell Wallace. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. A lot of things to get down on and discuss today in the world of sports. I know, let me explain. I know, where where, you been, Wendell? What's happening, man? What's up? K Pasa, Shalom, all that bullshit. What, what, what's going on, man? Where'd you been? You went ghost on us for a second. What, what's going on? No, m- more than a second. You went ghost on us for, I don't know, about an hour and a half. What, what, what's up? The NBA finals going on. Coaches getting fired. Coaches getting hired. UFC events, boxing events, all the stuff that's going down. And, and, and we don't hear from you. Nothing. No, no, nothing. No videos. No audio. No, hey, sorry, y'all. I'll be back. This, that, and the other. Nothing for what? Over a month? Nothing. What's up, man? What 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 you been doing? Well, someone died. You died. My mom's still doing great. I'm still living. Mikel Davis is still doing great. My wonderful, beautiful, awesome, fabulous goddaughter, Sydney Davis, the most wonderful person under the age of 54, is still doing wonderful, still looking great, still being a champion. All of those things are fine, man. Let, let me explain to you what happened. And I want to preface by saying that this will never happen again. I know for some people are going, oh, shit, really? But no, seriously, man, th- this this will never happen again in terms of how long it took for me to uh, come on back and uh, do a podcast. The reason why I um, took a sabbatical or the reason why I didn't have an opportunity to do a podcast or the reason why I didn't do a podcast, um, as you guys know or you don't know, I have a job um, that is a little bit different than the job that I had before. And, uh, you know, when you work for the Clark County School District, when you're a substitute teacher and you work and all this kind of stuff, you know, you, you get certain time off. You know, you get spring break, you get winter break, you get summer break, you get, uh, you know, Martin Luther King Day, you get President's Day, you get, you know, built-in days where, you know, you have the day off, all of those things where I got used to it, man. I was in the school district for 17 years. So for the most part, I was, uh, you know, used to um, every four or five weeks taking some time off, you know, it's just the way it was. But, um, you know, I got my new job, which I enjoy immensely. And, um, you know, from February 20th, when we were off for President's Day, all the way to May 29th for Memorial Day, we didn't have time off. So what was happening, man, I was kind of getting acclimated for the first time in a while, working five days a week. Now, I, I know the more majority of, the, uh, of you people listening to this podcast are rolling your eyes saying, you've got to be fucking kidding me. You're going to try to tell me that somehow, someway, you got burnt out working five days a week for 13 straight weeks? Really? Let me explain. I did get burned out in terms of the overall things that I was doing in terms of having to go to work, going to work, 
coming back, doing the podcast, watching games, studying, reviewing, putting my show together, all that type of stuff. And if you can bookmark the last podcast that I had, basically, man, I just got burned out. I got burned out working five days a week. I got burned out coming home really quickly, having to watch the uh, Eastern Conference second round, then having to watch the Western Conference second round. And then if I missed a little bit, go ahead and watch the replay on TNT of the second round in the Eastern Conference. I would get home. I worked from 7 to 4 Pacific Standard Time. I would get home like around 4.20, 4.30. As soon as I got home, I'm out. I'm out. I mean, you know, I take off my work clothes, you know, throw in my relaxing clothes. I lay on my bed around quarter of five and I'm out anywhere until 530 to eight o'clock. I'm just out. I'm just out of it. So, yeah, man, that's the way it was. So it got to a point where it was just kind of like, man, it was just a little bit overwhelming. I really didn't take the 13 straight weeks without a break. I really didn't take that into account of how much overall it was going to affect me. Again, you know, I went to work every day, this, that, and the other. But man, like around April, I just I just hit the wall in terms of everything that I was doing. So I just said, you know what? Instead of worrying about trying to do a show and doing a show while there's a game going on and then have to kick back and go back and do all this type of nonsense, man, I'm just going to just watch these games. I'm just going to be a fan. I'm going to recharge. I'm going to rest. Most importantly, I'm going to get through these um, 13 weeks. I'm going to get through these final four weeks uh, before um, Memorial Day or six weeks, how long I ever took off. And then when I come back, when I come back from um, seeing my mom and seeing my brother and seeing my uh, goddaughter, I can come back, hit the ground running, finish watching the NBA Finals, and then attack uh, this podcast. And that's exactly what I'm doing. So this is the first time. I, I don't know if it's a, it's, it's a good excuse. I don't know if it's an acceptable excuse. I, I don't know. But I'm just giving you the reasons. The reasons. The reasons that I'm here. The reasons that I'm doing my podcast. Because now I'm rejuvenated. I'm rejuvenated, man. And I want to talk about my Holly Berry. I want to talk about my Layla Roshan. I want to talk about my, my Monica Bellucci. I want to talk about my Selma Hayek. I want to talk about the love of my life with, as far as sports leagues are concerned, which is <clears throat> the NBA, because there's a lot of stuff that went down. Um, in the NBA, the Denver Nuggets being the NBA champions. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about Nikola Jokic and everything that he did and how great that he is. And I don't know, man. What, what do you do with Jokic now? Um, because do we? He's been in the league since 2014, right? He was part of the 2014 NBA draft. So he's been in the league now about seven, eight years, somewhere around there. So is now the time to go ahead and start saying, okay, where do we list Jokic as one of the greatest centers of all time or top 10 centers of all time? Well, when do we have that discussion? When do we start that? And what I'm going to be discussing today also when it comes to Nikola Jokic, because I'm going to try to keep it as um, level-headed as possible. I'm going to pretend that I'm, I'm actually talking to Nikola Jokic in terms of my observations, in terms of my dissertation, in terms of uh, me speaking about his game and, 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 and the segment that I'm going to do about Nikola Jokic. I'm going to pretend Nikola Jokic is listening to all this because one thing Nikola Jokic hates, one thing Nikola Jokic cannot stand is the bullshit about, my goodness, man, with 24 points and 15 rebounds and 11 assists, you just tied Wilt Chamberlain for the most triple doubles in the playoff series under the, the month of May. This, that, the other. He's just like, man, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I just don't. Care. All this, 
all of this, Nicola, you're so great, Nicola, you're so wonderful, Nicola, you're the man, Nicola, you're a legend, Nicola, you're the MVP, anything individual in which praising Nicola Jokic, it, 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 it's like nails to a chalkboard, <laughs> that guy, man, I mean, he would rather be doing a million things rather than listen to some bullshit about some guy like me talk about, oh, Nikola Jokic, you're so great. Nikola Jokic, you're one of the greatest centers of all time. Nikola Jokic, where do you think you rank among centers? Nikola Jokic, do you think you're the best player in the NBA now? Nikola Jokic, do you think you should have won the MVP this season? Nikola Jokic, what does it mean now that your legacy is set and you won a championship? Nikola Jokic, where do you think you could get better in your game to try to... Um, you know, get on the same levels with the Jabars and the Chamberlains and Bill Russells. In fact, if Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain were playing today, Nicola, how do you think you do with against them? I mean, all of this, all of this bullshit. Nicola, I think that you're the fifth best center who's ever played the game of basketball and the second best center who's played the, the game of basketball since in the 22nd century. And I think you're better than Shaq, and this is the reason why... Yoke is just like, come on, man, can I please get the fuck out of here because I just can't take this shit no more. So in my praise for Jokic, for the Joker, I'm going to try to be as level-headed as I can. And, and, I'm, and you know, I, I never once um, thought of when I was doing this podcast, when I talk about Jokic, I, I never once thought of going overboard with the platitudes about Nikola Jokic. But th- th- there are some things... Um, that need to be said that, that are fact. I don't care if he doesn't like it or not, but there are some things about his game. There are some things about where he sits in the pantheon of uh, NBA players. There are some things that, uh, you know, I'm going to discuss and I'm going to uh, I'm going to bring to the table. I'm going to bring it out of the dark and bring it to the light, even though it's probably been shown um, many, many times. But I'm going to give you my opinions about that, man. So, yeah, man, I know there's been a lot of stuff. I know that there's been a lot of boxing that I've been missing. There's an, I, I know there's been some USC events that um, I haven't uh, had the ability to talk about because I haven't been doing my podcast. I know all these things, man, and it hurt. I wanted to go ahead and, and, and talk about them things, man. I wanted to talk about the Ryan Garcia fight. I wanted to go ahead and talk about those other things. I wanted to talk about that, man. I really did. But like I said, man, I just got home from my job and I was just too doggone tired. And then the weekend came and it was a situation where it was like, hey, man, let's mentally, physically regroup and uh, get ready for the next week of uh, work. So that's what it was all about, man. I still love what I do. I still love to talk about sports. I still think that I'm pretty doggone good at it and uh, I try my best to uh, give you the best podcast that I can, the most entertaining, thought-provoking podcast that I can, give it to you with passion, give it to you with energy, give it to you with some some, 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 some vigor. And if I can't do that, then, um, you know, I don't want to do it. And if I can't give you a podcast to where you get something out of it, you know, where I make you think just a little bit, through all my yelling and my screaming and my rambling and my goings on and all that nonsense, I always, with every segment, with every subject that I try to uh, speak about, I want to hit you with a little bit of, hmm, okay, that's interesting, never thought about that before, or just, hmm, that's, uh, you know, I never thought about that. That, that, that's a different angle, that's something that's interesting, that's something that I want to hang on to a little bit, e- even if you think that the 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 angle or my thoughts, my opinions uh, might be wrong or you don't agree with them. At, at least it's something to where, huh, 
that's 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 interesting. That's that's something that I never thought about. So yeah, man. So if I can't give you that, and the only reason how, and the only reason why I can give you those things, or at least I try to, is because I do my homework. I try to uh, study. I try to uh, do as much as I can when I'm watching these games to try to think of something to speak about. So for once, I could actually watch the Western Conference Finals. I can watch the Eastern Conference Finals. I can watch the NBA Finals. I can do well. I I, I did all of those things without trying to, while, while watching the game, think of angles or think of something what I could talk about or take away this or take away that. I mean, for the first time in the longest, I actually watched the game as a fan. Boston and Miami, I watched the game as a fan, that series. The Lakers and the Denver Nuggets, I watched that series as a fan. The Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets, I don't know if I, I, don't, I think that might have been around the semifinals, the Eastern Conference and Western Conference semifinals. I think that was the last time that I uh, spoke or I did a podcast, but yeah, man, for the most part, it is interesting, man, the fact that you can just sit there and when you're not always in, man, you know, what can I take away from this uh, to talk about? It's 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 a different perspective. You know, one of the things that I've always wanted to ask a coach or of any sport or, or an actor or a director, like, for instance, let's just go into the film industry. I've always, like, for Denzel Washington... Or, or, or Tom Hanks, or Michael Douglas, Morgan Freeman, my favorites. I've always wanted to ask them, hey man, when you go watch a movie, do you watch a movie like like a regular customer, like, like us who are not in the film industry? Or do you watch it in the eye of an actor to say, hmm, well, that's interesting the way he played that. I would have done that a little bit different. Like when you watch De Niro, or when you watch Tom Hanks, or when you watch The Best of the Best, DiCaprio, um, you know, when, they, when you watch them, Jamie Foxx, when you watch them do their thing, and you're another actor, do you watch it in terms of, oh, okay, I see how he did that part right there. Oh, that's pretty cool. I'm going to, you know, I might try to do that, or, you know, this, that, and the other. is very interesting the way that he's taking this character, or the way that he's playing this character, or the way that he's doing his dialogue, this, that, and the other. Are you watching it that way, or are you watching us, watching the film like us? And that's the same thing with directors, man. Like, you know, Spike and all them guys. When you watch a movie, man, are you watching it from a directorial eye to say, hmm, you know, that shot right there, that scene right there, that was a good scene, but I would have done it this way. Maybe I would have had this, that, and the other. Maybe put a little flavor into it by doing this, that, and the other. Or do you just watch it like... Like like a regular person who ain't in the film industry, like an NBA coach or an NFL coach. When you're watching these games, do you watch it as a fan or do you watch it in terms of, hmm, man, that's pretty good. But, man, I would have put in this, that, and the other. Or I would have called this player. Or I would have done this. Or, man, if I'm that coach, man, I would have gone with a timeout. I'm wonder, wondering why he's not taking the timeout or this, that, and the other. So it's always interesting. And when you're doing a podcast or when you're doing a broadcast or whatever, or when you're just analyzing something or you want to give your opinion about something, of course, your um, thoughts and opinions are going to change in terms of the way you watch that broadcast or the way you watch that game, you watch that movie, you watch that play, you watch that television series, you listen to that music, the the, the lyrics, the music, the beats and everything. So it's always interesting to uh, do that, to kind of separate yourself from the guy who's watching the game in terms of what can I do to uh, extrapolate some of the points that I want to make from the game to make an entertaining podcast and just saying, hey, but I'm just going to watch the game and watch it as a fan and just say, fuck it, just enjoy myself. So, yeah, so all of that is to say that uh, I'm back, mm, I'm back, mm, mm, I'm back, mm.
I'm back. I'm back. Bam, bam. Get up off of that. Okay. But I just want to let y'all know. Thank you, James. Just want to let y'all know that I'm back. And um, I'm roaring, ready to go to uh, give you some uh, fantastic, awesome, from my heart, passion, 100% sports talk. Speaking about the NBA, speaking about what's happening in the world of sports. That's what I'm going to do. So, uh, yeah, man, we got the NBA final. The Denver Nuggets are the NBA champion, beating the Miami Heat. And basically, which was a five-game sweep, winning the game five at home. I want to ask you this question, man. I'm going to ask you this question. Denver Nuggets, dynasty? And before you answer yes or no, I've got to give you my thoughts on what exactly is a dynasty. Because based on the CBA agreement, based on the NBA, the league, based on what we're just going through, based on just the world that we live in right now, man, first of all, we have to start defining what a dynasty is. Because in your eyes, maybe Denver isn't. In my eyes, there's a great possibility. Maybe because of what's happening with the league, with the NBA, with, with, the, with the competitive level being closer to football than it is, say, um, um, the old days of basketball or even with, with, with baseball. You know, th- those things are going to come into play. Those things are going to be discussed. So those things are going to have to be put in the stew, shall we say, when you start speaking about, hey, man, what's a dynasty? What's not a dynasty? Where are we going with the dynasty? What the Nuggets doing with the dynasty? The Phoenix Suns trading for Bradley Beal. What does that mean? All of that good stuff. I will discuss those things. I will talk about those things. I will get down with those things. Man, I'm rip-roaring, ready to go. Wendell's World in Sports. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us getting down on what's happening in the world of sports, in particular the NBA, the Denver Nuggets, as I mentioned before, they are your NBA world champions, beating the Miami Heat in five games, winning game five at home, 94-89, ugly, it was a very beautifully ugly game, shall we say. Denver shot just 18% from the three-point line. Miami went 25% from deep. Denver was able to shoot almost 59% from the two-point range. Thank you, Nicola, going 12 for 16 from the two-point range, with Miami shooting just 40% inside the arc, thanks to Jimmy Butler um, not getting it done, his playoff heroics falling short. Denver won the rebounding battle convincingly against Miami in game five, 57-44. So, there you got it, man. The, uh, the the mission, the journey is now complete. We can all go home in terms and in, in what the Joker said. So 
Let's break this down, man. Let's talk about what happened with Denver, man. One of the more underrated NBA Finals run. When you think about it, Denver's postseason run has been dominant. They went 16-4 through four playoff rounds. It was the 14th best playoff record by an NBA champion in NBA history. After losing Game 3 and Game 4, the Phoenix in the Western Conference semifinals, these boys went 10-1 and the rest of the way. Broke down the L.A. Lakers, beat them in four straight. Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, first pair of teammates to average at least 25 points and five assists and five rebounds in a single postseason. I guess Jamal Murray is legit. I guess Jamal Murray is the truth. I guess Jamal Murray can do these things outside of the bubble. And Jamal Murray, after suffering that ACL tear, Jamal Murray is back. The Denver Nuggets. And, and, and again, you know, because they're not the L.A. Lakers, because they don't have LeBron, because they don't have Curry, because they don't have because they have a superstar who's a foreign, b would it's more Kawhi Leonard than Kawhi Leonard when it comes to the media in terms of I don't want to do this, I don't like doing this, all this other bullshit. While he's he's Tim Duncan like in that regard, he'll give you the time. He's not going to be rude. He's not going to be um, arrogant. He's not going to be an asshole. He's not going to be Barry Bonds. He's not going to be a jerk. But, um, you know, he, he ain't going to play the game either. You know, he's not going to be on a million commercials. He ain't going to be hanging around that dork from State Farm. He's not going to be doing those commercials. He He's off the radar in terms of our NBA superstars. I hate to say it, man, but Joker, he don't look like an NBA superstar. He doesn't play like an NBA superstar. He doesn't have the, the he doesn't have the aura of an NBA superstar, right? I mean, LeBron had that swag. Even Tom Brady had a little swag to him. You know, I mean, Nikola doesn't. I mean, he just doesn't have that. He doesn't have that verb. He doesn't. He doesn't um, bring out that type of vibe where you say, "Man, that's the man." If, if if you saw Jokic walking down the street, I mean, he's a guy more of a guy, in my opinion that you would just like to hang out with, man, that you would just like to be laughing and joking. Like if he was your, if he was sitting next to you, if he was your um, uh, co-employee or he was, uh, you know, sitting te- next to you at the desk, I mean, th- he would be a guy that would be fun to talk to, man. He would be a guy that if you were doing customer service and you had a stupid-ass caller and you needed to vent and you needed to make fun of him and you needed to go off, Nicola would be that guy to like, okay, let me just go ahead and get this off my chest. Let me talk about how stupid this client was. Let me go ahead and talk about how dumb this person was. We can laugh. We can joke. We can do our thing, and then we can get back to work. I mean, that's what more and – I, and I hate to use the word quote-unquote every man because – I don't even know what the everyman is, but I mean, Nicola just brings off of uh, an air of him that he's not unapproachable, that, you know, while he might not like the attention or people coming up to him and say, Joker, what's up, man? Oh my goodness, you the man. And he's like, I don't, I don't know you. And this is all bullshit and I don't want to hear it. And I really don't care. And get me away from this clown, even though that's probably what he's thinking. He's not going to have that in him to be like, hey, man, get the fuck away from me, man. All right, yeah, 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 yeah. Security, get him out of here. He'll be like, oh, yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Uh Uh-huh, way to go. Okay, I got to go. See you later. Take it easy. He's just got that air. He's just got that flow about him, man. So so, so I'm, I'm bringing all that up to say that, except for his story, the Denver Nuggets, they're not... And, you know, Michael Malone, the coach of the Nuggets, was talking about, we don't get any respect, this, that, and the other. 
it's just a situation where, look, man, it's almost like when the San Antonio Spurs were doing their thing, right? When they had first Tim Duncan and um, David Robinson as the main guys, then it switched over to Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, and um, to go along with Duncan. I mean, those these guys just seem to be really good guys who really don't give a fuck about the attention and every all the all the candy and all the sweets and all the icing and all the other stuff that comes with the NBA. They they ain't about that. They ain't going to be making a million commercials. They ain't interested on the surface, or they're not projecting to you that they're just as interested as building as, as building their brand as they are winning basketball games and none of this stuff. I mean, they're not in the news. I mean, it's just a bunch of really good guys. Jamal Murray. His story and everything. He's a really good guy. Aaron Gordon, exciting basketball player in terms of his leaping ability and everything. But, you know, he he's the third option. Some nights the fourth option. Some nights the fifth option. It, it, it's a team in Denver where it's not going to attract the... It's not going to attract the casual basketball fan. The ones who don't appreciate how good Denver is. I mean, all this nonsense about team and they play for each other and one guy, well, the, we, Denver ain't a one-man team, but they know who the main guy is. They know who the one guy is. But for the most part, Denver is not that squad. They, they, they don't, they're not in L.A. They're not in Chicago. They're not in New York. They're not in the big market. Their superstars ain't beefing with each other. Their superstars ain't being caught on Twitter or on FaceCheat or on TikTok or on Facegram or Instabook, whatever these social media sites are. They're, they're, they're not being caught waving around a gun with, with their homeboy from the hood. They're not up there making it rain in a strip joint. They're not impregnating porn stars. They're not doing any of that stuff, man. They just seem to be really good guys who are just doing their thing, winning basketball games in a market where... Denver, Colorado, again, it ain't a big, big market when you're speaking about um, the NBA. It's not a destination market. It's not Miami. It's not the L.A. Um, it's a situation where the Nuggets, historically, they're, they're not the Knicks. They're not one of the original franchises. They started off in the ABA. I mean, the, the, the greatest thing, the most entertaining thing from the Denver Nuggets before Jokic and Murray and those guys came and won a championship for those guys was David Thompson and Bobby Jones, who made it to the finals of the ABA championship where they lost to a guy named Dr. J. Julius Irving back in the mid-70s. So for the most part, it, it's a story with Denver where it's kind of like, where do we go with this? I don't know, because this is not a situation where we can talk about uh uh, Jokic's Instagram or or or, or um, what Aaron Gordon was doing on you know at the strip joint or anything like that or you know these guys are having beef with each other or you know uh, some guy spit on a child or you know slap the woman or anything like that I I hate to say it but in the culture that we live in where you know we're looking for news we're looking for stories we're looking for something that uh, we can sink our teeth into and our attention span for that is minuscule. The Nuggets are just boring. Again, they're the San Antonio Spurs. If they do run off championships, it can be compared not to the Kobe and Shaq Lakers, not to the Showtime Lakers of Magic, James, Kareem, Byron Scott, Norm Nixon, Mark Landsberger, uh, Bob McAdoo, and those guys. It's not going to be Larry Bird and the Boston Celtics. It's not going to be MJ and the Chicago Bulls. It's not going to be that type of championship. It's going to be a type of championship where you're not going to get the casual fan. You're not going to get the NBA fan that was turned off for whatever reason, maybe because of social issues, maybe because of other issues, but 
You're, you're not going to, they're not going to be a darling. They're not going to be a fan favorite. They're not going to be um, news attention getting type of uh, basketball team that ESPN can sink his teeth into, that uh, the talking head shows can sink their teeth into. Regardless of how great the Denver Nuggets are next season, the attention in the NBA is still going to be on LeBron. The attention in the NBA is still going to be on Steph. The attention in the NBA is still going to be about the Boston Celtics. The attention in the NBA is still going to swing back to the Lakers. The attention in the NBA is still going to be on the dynamic between Kyrie and Luka if Kyrie decides to re-sign with the um, Dallas Mavericks. The, the attention is going to be on Victor Wimbignana and how he's going to be doing with the San Antonio Spurs. The, the attention is going to be on those stories more than the Denver Nuggets repeating as NBA champions, especially during the regular season. Again, no matter how dominant the Denver Nuggets or Nikola Jokic is going to be. I mean, hell, man, after 42 games, Denver could be 40-2, and two, and they're still going to be talking about, well, uh, what about LeBron? What about LeBron? What's going on with LeBron? What's going to happen with LeBron? Something with LeBron and Wen Bignata and, and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and this, that, the other, and Zion. Is, is he ever going to play, or is he going to continue to uh, bang porn stars? I mean, what, so, so all of these things, John Morant coming back after 25 games, how is he going to look? All of these, all of these juicier... Um, Stories are going to take precedent over what Denver is doing because Denver ain't going to give you nothing. I mean, who's going to want to sit there and talk about, man, Denver has lost five out of eight games. Let's go ahead and leave with that. People who are casual basketball fans, they ain't going to care about that stuff in December or January or February. If Denver goes ahead and wins 14, 15, 16 games in a row in during the dog days, they're not going to care about that. They're not going to... Uh, that, that's not going to uh, take their attention away fully from their NFL football team and their fantasy team and their the bets that they're making. That, 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 that's not going to that's not going to move the needle when it comes to the NBA. The Denver Nuggets aren't needle movers. LeBron is. The Lakers are. The Clippers are. The Celtics are. The Heat are. All those teams, other than the Denver Nuggets, are. And you know that that's because of who they are as an organization. That's because of who they're. Who their man is, who sets the table, I'm telling you, it is the modern-day San Antonio Spurs. And for a guy like me who loves the NBA and enjoys watching the NBA and enjoys the greatness of the NBA, um, the Denver Nuggets, the way they are, for me, it's absolutely, positively, undeniably fantastic. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. The team that they beat... The Miami Heat making it to the NBA Finals. I guess you can say one of the most improbable, impressive runs in recent NBA playoff series. The team that beat the uh, two best te- the two best teams with the best record in the Eastern Conference. When you're speaking about the Boston Celtics, when you're speaking about the Milwaukee Bucks, how many of you? I'll raise my hand. Said when Derek White tipped in that shot at the buzzer. Game six, which gave the Celtics the uh, win, said, series over, we're done, that's it, Boston going back, even with the Jekyll and Hyde type team that is the Boston Celtics, the bipolar team that is the Boston Celtics, the inconsistency that is the Boston Celtics, how many people were still like, "Eh, I don't know, man, and it would be a matter of, how many people thought that, oh, that's fine, Miami's going to go in Game 7 and blow them out or dominate them like they did? Hardly anybody 
had that scenario. So what? So what's the scenario? The scenario is, hey man, the Heat are for real. Heat culture, that's for real. And when you're speaking about how do you win a championship, pay attention, Phoenix. When you're speaking about how to uh, win a championship, it's a situation where it's kind of like, look, the reason why that the Denver Nuggets won that championship, why they were a better team over the Miami Heat, is because they're number one and number two. Nikola Jokic and Jamal Burry were better than Miami's number one and two, Jimmy Butler and um, Bam Adebayo. And, and, and Bam didn't play that poorly. But, uh, you know, Jimmy was off. And the thing about Jokic is that, you know, an off night for him is not going to be 5 for 22. An off night for him is not going to be 11 for 31. An off night for him is not going to be 9 for 24 with, you know, 11 rebounds and 3 assists. Or, you know, 8 for for 22, 21 points, 9 rebounds, and 8 assists. I mean, that's especially when you're speaking about the field goal percentage, that, that's not going to be Jokic because Jokic has the trust of his teammates. It's in a system to where, hey, look, man, I don't need to force things. You know, I, I don't need, I've got Aaron Gordon. I got Michael Porter Jr. I've got, um, I got KCP. I've, I've got Jamal Murray. I've got other guys who can do the things that I'm not doing right now. Number one, the way Jokic plays the game, he's not going to shoot that poorly because he's not going to take that many bad shots. He's not going to take hero shots if he doesn't have to. So, I mean, here, here's a guy, you take a look at his game and it's like, man, he, how, what, huh? But he gets it done, man. He gets it done. But the Miami Heat, just speaking about them, it's a situation where, look, if you want to win a championship, um, Miami Heat showed that, um, you know, you can, you can be in a good position and you don't need to quote unquote build a super team. Do you hear what I'm saying? The Phoenix Suns. The great thing about Miami and their run, and when you take a look at that team and you see how you did it, how how they did it, and you speak about heat culture, Shaq put it greatly on uh, one of the games where it was like, man, how is Max Struess and um, Caleb Martin and and, and Gabe, Gabe Vincent and Duncan Robinson, how, how are these guys doing this? How is Miami doing this? Alonzo Highsmith, how in the world are they doing this? I mean, we've never heard of these guys. How are these guys taking down the Milwaukee Bucks? How are the how are these guys outperforming the Boston Celtics with two of the 15 best players in the league? The most talented team in the Eastern Conference. How can the team who's missing, what, maybe their third best player in Tyler Hero, how are they still doing this? It's because the role players that they have, they know what they're supposed to do, and they don't do anything different. Max Struess is going to shoot three-pointers. Duncan Robinson is going to work everything off his, uh, off of his three-point shot. You know, Bam is going to rebound, play defense, and hit mid-range shots. Jimmy Butler is going to carry the load. Gabe Vincent is going to be a three-point marksman. You know, Caleb Martin is going to be a guy who can take folks off the dribble. That's, that's what they do. And they don't try to do anything else. They're not looking to do anything else. So it's, it's, it's great coaching. And it's the philosophy to say, in the words of Bill Belichick, just do your job. Just do what we ask you to do. And um, I, I know it's, it's a little bit more com- um, complex than that. But that's what I take a look at, man, when I take a look at the Miami Heat. Just do your job.
So if I'm a team like the uh, Phoenix Suns, I, re- I go ahead and I say, you look, man, we're spending all of this money on players. Man, we need to do something to bring in. I, I don't know how much it's going to take to get some play- to get some uh, scouts off of the uh, Miami Heat. But um, we, we got to, I don't know, double their salary, triple their salary because uh, bring some of that Heat culture and philosophy over to uh, Frank Vogel and the uh, Phoenix Suns because after this trade with Bradley Beal, which I will get into later on in the podcast, they're going to need. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So let's talk about this real quick. Um, Dynasty. Because Michael Malone was talking about, hey, we ain't satisfied with just one. I think that uh, he was at the um, podium during the celebration. You know, when everybody was was giving their speeches, doing the Pat Riley. When the uh, Lakers back in the 80s won their championship. And he was talking about, next year we're going to do it again. Become the first team in, I don't know, 20-something years at that time to go back-to-back. So Malone was channeling his inner Pat Riley to be speaking about, hey, man, you know, we ain't done. And when you take a look at the roster, um, there's evidence to say, why not? Why not us? You know, so so what what now is your definition of the modern-day dynasty in the NBA? Because if you take a look at it, the last uh, six seasons since Golden State repeated as champions or the last you could say dynasty that we would probably think of when we're trying to define what is a dynasty in in, in the NBA what is the example of a dynasty in the NBA the last dynasty um, they would point to the Steph Curry Kevin Durant Draymond Green Clay Thompson Andre Iguodala Golden State Warriors but since the (laughs) since the Warriors have ended that run in terms of their dominance, the last NBA champions have been the Toronto Raptors, the Los Angeles Lakers, which you remember in the bubble, the Milwaukee Bucks, Golden State coming back and winning, and then Denver, and now Denver. So what what's going to constitute a dynasty? For the first time in a while, we, we're not going to be seeing one team dominate for years upon years upon years. So the way this collective bargaining agreement has been arranged you know, we're just speaking about, uh, you know, teams are going to be really penalized if they try to, quote-unquote, build a super team. What are we looking at with the NBA? What, 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 are, what are the new ramifications? What are the new requirements that it takes for a team to be considered a dynasty? If, if the Denver Nuggets come back next season and go back-to-back, are they considered a dynasty? Because, uh, you know, the, the, the bad boys, Detroit Pistons, they won two in a row with Isaiah and Joe Dumars and Lambeer and Mahorn and Mark Aguirre and those guys and Sally and Rotman. And they're, they're really not considered a dynasty. That's because they were um, sandwiched in between the end of the dynasty with the Los Angeles Lakers, Showtime Los Angeles Lakers, and the beginning of the Chicago Bulls six championships in eight years. But hey, man, the NBA, get used to it in terms of different teams winning championships and I'm not when I say different teams winning championships I'm not talking about um you know I'm not talking about Boston Lakers Chicago Miami and the Knicks quote-unquote big market teams you're going to be seeing more of the Torontos you're going to be seeing more of the Milwaukee's you're going to be seeing more of the Denver's you're going to be seeing more teams from that market have real chances to win the NBA again win the NBA championship again it's akin to what's happening in the NFL. 
to where who cares if you're in New York? Who cares if you're in LA? Who cares if your owner is a super duper billionaire? Who cares? The way that the rules and regulations are set up is going to give the Green Bay Packers to compete. It's going to give the Indianapolis Colts to compete. It's going to give the Jacksonville Jaguars an opportunity to compete. It is going to give the smaller teams an opportunity to compete for NBA championships. So what does it mean? Again, I'm asking you, man. What does it mean, again, moving forward with the NBA in terms of championship dynasties? Because we're not going to see dynasties like the Boston Celtics of the 1960s winning 11 championships in 13 seasons, mainly because of the legend, the American icon, Bill Russell. We're no longer going to see two teams dominate a decade in winning championships like the Showtime Magic Johnson-led, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar-led, James Worthy-led, Pat Riley-led Los Angeles Lakers who won five championships, or the Larry Bird, Bill, uh, sorry, the Larry Bird, um, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, Dennis Johnson, Casey Jones, Boston Celtics winning three championships with the, um, with the, um, Detroit Pistons and the Philadelphia 76ers getting some of the crumbs off of that NBA bread when the uh, Lakers and the Celtics were sipping champagne while biting into that loaf. Um, we're not going to see a team win six championships in eight seasons like the Chicago Bulls. Interesting fact right now, the way that the league is set up right now, I'm sorry, Michael Jordan ain't winning six championships in eight years. I'm sorry. The way the league is constituted right now, the Chicago Bulls were not going to win six championships in eight years. I know all you Jordan fanatics. I know all you Jordan sheep. I know all you Jordan lovers who believe that he could walk on water, that he could give up interest in his team that he owned and still make a billion dollars out of it. Uh, the, the sheep who believe that Michael Jordan can walk on water, who can have, find a cure for AIDS, peace in the Middle East, and bring races together and peace, unity, and harmony. I, I, I know you guys think that Michael Jordan can do no wrong. But guess what? The way the CBE is set up right now, um, they're winning the championship, but they're not keeping Scottie Pippen or they're not keeping Horace Grant or they're not going to be keeping that, 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 that team together that won as many championships as it did in that amount of time. So no matter how great Denver is, no matter how much more Denver is in terms of better than the next team, they ain't winning six championships in eight years. They're not winning five championships in nine years. They're not definitely winning 11 championships in 13 years or five championships in six years like the original NBA dynasty, the Minneapolis Lakers. That ain't happening. So now in the new league of the NBA with the collective bargaining agreement, what is the, what is the definition of a dynasty? Because the NBA is curbing the ability for its high-spending teams like the Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Clippers to buy themselves a championship. The league is implementing a second salary cap apron. $17.5 million over the tax line, and those teams will lose several key team-building mechanisms, including the taxpayer and mid-level exception, utilizing cash and trades, moving first-round picks and draft that are seven years away, signing free agent players in the buyout market, and taking on more money than is being sent out in trades. All that stuff is going to be kaput. All of that stuff is going to be gone. So what's going to happen to the NBA? What's going to be happening? to a dynasty. There's a seismic change for a team that has been known for its dynasties. A team or a league that has been built on its dynasties. A league that has been built for over 70 years on its dynasties. 
What does it mean now that the NBA is trying to move away from that and try to look more like the NFL? Well, you'll have everybody having an opportunity to uh, win a championship. The window to win a championship now has become much, much smaller for all of these teams. So if you take a look at what the Denver Nuggets can look like in terms of a quote-unquote dynasty, you look closer to the 2000 to 2005 LA Lakers. Three straight championships, four, um, four NBA final appearances. That was with number eight Kobe and, um, and Shaquille O'Neal leading the way. It's going to be closer when you, when, when you speak about what's a dynasty now. The Denver Nuggets, for a dynasty, they're going to try to, or they, it's probably going to look similar to the 2005-2007 San Antonio Spurs where they won two championships in three NBA seasons. The 08-010 Los Angeles Lakers, three straight NBA final appearances and two straight championships. That's what the NBA is going to look like. So Denver, they have that window. They have that opportunity right now. Jokic is still in his, um, still going strong. And the fact that he's, what, 27, 28 years old, the way that he plays, this is going to be a situation where we, we don't have to worry about his game taking the de- decline when his athleticism does. Because he doesn't have any athleticism. <laughs> he doesn't have any athleticism for the most part. So that's not the basis of his game. He doesn't have, he, he doesn't have to worry about jumping over six people or he, he doesn't have that type of, uh, game. His game is smarts. His game is skill. His game is, uh, you know, just an all around feel and genius for the game that, uh, stayeth the test of time. So Jokic is going to be a formidable, uh, player barring some type of injury. For the next, I don't know, what, seven, eight years. So what are we talking about? What does it mean for Jamal Murray? What does it mean for Aaron Gordon? What does it mean for KCP? What does it mean for Michael Porter Jr.? What does it mean for uh, Bruce Brown, Bruce, Bruce Bowen? What does it mean for all those guys moving forward um, in the NBA? They, they should be prohibitive favorites um, to win the championship. And as long as you have uh, Jokic on your side, you're going to have any type of chance to uh, win a championship. He's, he's that good. He's that good of a player. He's that good of a teammate. So so what does it mean? What's going to constitute? How, how long is the window for the Denver Nuggets going to stay open? Is it going to be another five years? Or shall I say, how long is the window of opportunity for this current iteration of Denver Nuggets going to be before they're going to have to tweak around Jokic? Is that going to involve Murray? Or are they going to tweak around Jokic and Murray? And maybe Jettison uh, Michael Porter Jr. Or in Aaron Gordon. Or is, is Christian Braun going to be that guy who's going to come in and maybe fill a role that was um, maybe... Um, that that was uh that, that maybe Michael Porter Jr. Even though he's not the shooter, but I mean in terms of importance on the team, is is someone like a Christian Braun being groomed in three years to be that guy that Jokic and Murray can really rely on and, and depend on? You know where we're going to be going with free agency and all those type of things. So all of that is going to play into the intrigue of man the Denver Nuggets, your NBA champions dynasty. What are we talking about? Where are we going? What is it all about? But of course, you know, again, why are the Nuggets going to be there? Why are the Nuggets going to be a favorite? Why are the Nuggets going to be considered elite for a next, for the, at least the next three or four years? Nikola, Nikola, the Joker, Nikola Jokic. 
World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Nikola Jokic, Nikola Jokic, Nikola Jokic. My man, Nikola Jokic. Man, I tell you what, man, what, what, what can we, what, what can we, where can we go with this? How can we talk about this, right? Because again, the NBA champion, Denver Nuggets. What's their strength? Who's their guy? How long is this window going to last in terms of being true elite contenders for the NBA championship? It's placed on one man's broad shoulders, Nikola Jokic. And, um, you know, what, what does this mean now? What does it mean for him? What, what is the legacy seven, eight years into his career? I know it's still building. I know it's still formulating. I know that, um, you know, it, the, the book hasn't been written. The story has not been told. The song ain't over. But what does it mean when you're speaking about the legacy of Nikola Jokic right now? The foundation of all-time greatness has been set with him winning this championship. Now everything else is icing on the cake. Now, winning that championship along with the two MVPs and his backstory of where he came to where he is right now, that, that, that lays the foundation to say, okay, man, hey, you know, he, he's, he's on the precipice of joining the all-time legendary list. When you speak about the great centers, you know, when you speak about Jabbar, Chamberlain, Russell, then Shaq, and then have at it in terms of where else you want to put these guys, whether you're talking about Moses Malone, whether you're talking about um, uh, David Robinson, whether you're talking about Hakeem Olajuwon, whether you're speaking about Patrick Ewing, when you're speaking about uh, all of these great centers, all of these great players, when you're speaking about those guys. You know, I don't, I don't think because of how long that he's played and really because of the um, incompleteness of his career, when you speak about a guy like Kareem who played 20 years, when you speak about like a guy like Wilt who played uh, 18, 17 years, when you speak about these guys who played over a decade and a half, Jokic is not at that territory just yet. But what he's doing is he's building that foundation. The foundation has been set with the championship. So let's just say, for instance, that um, Jokic goes back to Serbia. He's in Serbia right now. He just says, hey, man, you know what? I love my horses. I want to do my horses. I love my country. Um, I don't want to go back over to you, uh, for, to to, uh, to America. Can't blame them. Tired of doing what I want. You know, every I, I've done everything else, this, that, and the other. Is that going to happen? No. But let, let, let's just play the game for a second. If, if Yoko just says, I'm done. I've retired. I'm out of here. It was great. It was awesome. See you later. I want to raise my child Serbian. I don't want her to be spending nine months over in this country, can't blame them. So, hey, man, I wanted to, uh, you know, raise her by my culture, that, that, and the other. I got my horses, that, that, and the other. I got my family, that, that, and the other. Got my country, got my roots, everything, blah, blah, blah. So, let's just say he retires, right? 
then all of a sudden you can put Jokic into the, oh man, you know, he was going to be building a legacy that was going to be up there with the greatest of all time. So what I'm saying is, is that with everything that he's accomplished so far, we, we don't need to have the discussion, is he one of the is, is he one of the greats? That that's already been that's that's already been um that's already been written. That story has already been written and told. That song's already been sang a million times. Now we're speaking about okay. Now with him being just on the outside looking in, just due to the fact that he hasn't played enough. Now it's a matter of saying okay. When we start speaking about the greatest and we start speaking about who's the best centers of all time or the number five greatest center of all time or the best center in the um, of their generation and then move on to away from just centers to just now players, Jokic is now in that in that mix because of what he's done and now finishing off with a championship. He didn't have to wait for it. Uh, Tim Duncan to rescue him in terms of winning him a championship like David Robinson did. Um, he, you know, Jokic didn't have to do what Moses did and uh, you know take a team like Philadelphia and fo 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 them to an NBA championship. Okay, it didn't take uh, you know he didn't have to do that. It didn't take Wilt um, you know going to multiple teams before he finally found the squad with Billy and um, and, and, and Luke Jackson and those guys in sixty six sixty seven to win themselves a championship. Jokic is right there. Jokic now is the man. Jokic now is getting it done. Jokic now has everything. He played on one team. He was the man that won a championship. He's already won two MVPs. He came in second the year that he won the MVP. He's still one of the top players in the game by far. So now, moving forward years, what, 9 through 13, 14, 15? Now it's going to be a situation to say, okay, now it's time to start building accolades to say, Okay, Jabbar won six MVPs. Okay, I won four. Okay, Jabbar won six NBA championships. Okay, I won four. Um, you know, Bill Russell, this, that, and the other. Will Chamberlain, this, that, and the other. Well, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, this, that, and the other. I did this. I did that. Oh, you know, the the argument now that uh, you know um, the the the. the um, the fact that whoever fan that you are, that, oh, the only reason why Shaq won those championships is because Dwayne Wade, as Charles Barkley was saying, because Kobe and Dwayne Wade was carrying his fat ass up and down the court. Uh, you don't have to do that with Jokic. You don't have to do that bullshit with Jokic. You don't have to be speaking about, oh, well, you know, the only reason why he was doing this, that, and the other is because of Jamal Murray or because of uh, Michael Porter Jr. And No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Jokic was the man. Jokic was the best player on a team that won a championship and did it in dominating fashion. Now we're speaking about both team and individual accolades. Where is he going to be placed amongst the greatest of all time when everything is all said and done? Not only in terms of the center position, but also in terms of just the, um, just the players who've played in the game. Is it fair right now to all of a sudden start speaking about him in the same breath, the same light as uh, uh, Steph Curry or a, a Kobe or a LeBron or any of those guys? No, 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 no. But still, he's on the precipice and he's looking into that because he's changed the game. Jokic, whether he likes it or not, has changed the game. And to me, that symbolizes greatness. To me, that defines greatness. I think he's the most unique, impactful NBA player that we've seen in decades. 
He's going to be a player again that's going to be similar to what Bill Russell did, what Elgin Baylor did, what Wilt Chamberlain did, what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did, what Magic Johnson did, what Larry Bird did, Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, LeBron James, Steph Curry. What do I mean by that? I mean that he changed the game. He changed how the game is played. Bill Russell changed the game defensively, changed it from a horizontal game to a vertical game, blocking shots, blocking shots, something that was was never seen before, the way Bill Russell played defense. That was never seen before. He changed the game. Elgin Baylor changing the game, hang time, bringing in, changing it from a strictly horizontal game to a vertical game. The godfather, or shall we say, the great-great-grandfather, the innovators of what came after him, like the Kylie Hawkins and the Julius Irvings and the Michael Jordans and, 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 and the Kobe's and those, and those players who were known for their unbelievable uber-athleticism and what they could do in the air. Elgin Baylor was the guy who did that. He changed the game. Wilt Chamberlain changed the game because of his blend of power, strength, skill, dominance. A man who averaged 1961-1962 season, a man who averaged 50 points per game, 27 rebounds per game, and he came third in the uh, MVP voting. How in the world? He not, not, not only was he not even the runner-up, Bill Russell won the MVP that year. Second was Oscar Robertson. How in the world could someone average 50 points a game, 27 rebounds a game, score 100 points in one game, play 48 minutes and a half per game, never foul out in the season, and finish third in the MVP voting? That's how dominant Will Chamberlain was. A season where he scored 50 points a game was almost like, yeah, okay, big deal. I mean, he's Will Chamberlain, changing the game. Oscar Robinson was the first quote-unquote big guard who could control the game from the backcourt. The only reason why he didn't win more championships was because of Bill Russell, a lack of a team around him, and who helped him get that championship? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, changing the game. First big man with the height and the size and the dominant and the skill set to involve, to really, he was the guy that, really started the evolution to what we see with Nikola Jokic. What we saw before that with Bill Walton. What we saw between those with Arvidas Sabonis. He's not your Vetus. He's not my Vetus. He's Arvidas. So, yeah, man. Larry Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. Changing the game. I got both a 6'9 point guard? Irvin Magic Johnson in... 1979, 1980, back in Michigan State, late 70s, a 6'9 point guard? What? Hey, man, if you were 6'9 in the NBA before Magic Johnson came, you were a power forward. Maybe if you were someone like a Bob Pettit, you played a little small forward, but no, you weren't weren't a point guard. A point guard? A 6'9 player handling the ball, passing skill set like a point guard? And if Magic Johnson was 6'2", he still would be considered one of the greatest, or he would still be probably the greatest or one or two of the greatest point guards who's ever played the game. And you put that skill, you put that intelligence, you put that genius into a guy who's 6'9", Larry Bird. A 6'9", shooting guard? What? Outside of Bob Pettit and Dolph Shays, we never saw anything like that. A guy who could shoot from the outside like Larry Bird is 6'9"? A guy who could pass, a guy who could think, a guy who could control the game the way he did at 6'9"? We never saw that before. What? 
They changed the game. Did you see Steph Curry shooting those shots? Shooting that range? Wait a minute. Nobody ever shot that much. Nobody ever shot from that range. Nobody ever had that type of range. And then the way that he's making the shots, pulling up from 27 feet, pulling up off the dribble from 32 feet on a regular basis and shooting it like he's shooting a 15-footer. Go watch the games in the NBA from 1980, from 1990. Ain't nobody doing any of that stuff. Not even coming close. They weren't even doing that stuff from 18, 21 feet away. Steph Curry is going to be doing this from 30 plus. And he ain't 6'9". And he doesn't have a 40-inch vertical. And he's not, not the, he doesn't have the speed of a John Wall. And he doesn't have the size and strength and uber-athleticism of a Russell Westbrook. He's doing all this at 6'2". From Davison? Changing the game. Changing the game. As great as Tim Duncan was, he didn't change the game. As the greatest of all time as Michael Jordan was, he didn't change the game as much in terms of the skill set. I mean, there were plenty of guys who were 6'6 who had great athleticism. As I mentioned before, that was Elgin Baylor. Nikola Jokic doing what he's doing, a, a point center. We've never seen a point center. Yeah, Wilt led the league in 67, 68 in assist. Yeah, Jabbar had a nice all-around game. Sure. Russell had a nice all-around game except for the offensive end. We, we, we've never seen anything like this. We've never seen a center close to seven foot get the ball off the board to then lead the break. We, we've never seen a guy in a semi-break who's a center initiated, bringing the ball up. We've never seen a center after a made basket take the ball and bring it up and initiate the offense like Jokic has. We've never seen a center op- um, um, uh, operate from the high post as much as the Kola Jokic has. Bill Russell did it but not to the degree of Nikola Jokic. We've never seen a guy who can step out and make three-point shots, then get his ass inside the paint and put on the footwork moves of a ballerina to score points. We've never seen that. Yeah, it looks awkward. Some might say it looks ugly. I mean, it ain't the dream shake, but it's, it's, a, it's a thing of beauty. He's changing the game. Now, all of a sudden, this... Well, he doesn't have the athleticism. Well, what is his ceiling athletic-wise? Some of that stuff is going to go by the wayside because it's going to be more like, well, what is his skill set? What is his basketball IQ? Now, that's going to be coming more into play than a guy who's like, well, what's his vertical? Well, what's his reach? Well, what's what can he do in a 40? Well, how much can he bench? All, all that stuff is going to be mitigated because of Nikola Jokic. It's really interesting. Um, the scattering report, this was written by Daniel O'Brien of Bleacher Report on June 18th of 2014 when they were speaking about Nikola Jokic. Um, Nikola Jokic, I'll read the scattering report. Nikola Jokic entered the NBA draft discussion on the heels of a strong season for uh, Mega Viruza of the Adriatic League 
and impressive exploits during his week at the Nike Hoop Summit. A big, a skilled big man with great awareness and length, the Serbian is appealing as a potential addition to the front court. With great footwork and vision, he makes crafty plays with the ball in his hands. Jokic's upside isn't too spectacular because he's a below-average athlete, so he'll have to focus on utilizing his skill set and operating as an efficient shooter and passer within a system. His one year playing in the Adriatic League, Jokic, he averaged 25 minutes per game and averaged 11.6 rebounds and 4 assists. 2014, if you would have told me Nikola Jokic was going to be this, no one would have, no, everybody, of course, would have laughed in your face. He was compared to Preo Antic. The NBA projection for Jokic in 2014, uh, immediate projection, a high IQ and great length might be enough to earn Jokic some minutes early in his career, but he won't provide enough defense or scoring firepower to gain a substantial role. It will take time for him to prove he can compete for his underwhelming athleticism and compete with NBA bigs for long stretches. Long-term projection. As previously mentioned, unathletic players can survive in the NBA and even earn prominent roles. If Jokic can deliver accurate shooting and make the right plays when the ball is in his hands, he could be a poor man's Dial, Boris Dial, and a long-range threat like Antic. Jokic will probably be a will, will probably be a fourth or fifth scoring option when he's in the game, but all that matters is whether he plays efficiently. Unfortunately, his defense will likely prevent him from ever playing 30-plus minutes or starting. However, there's no shame in being a respectable reserve on a winning team in the future. That was his scouting report. And you know what? It's not as bad as uh, many people have them out. I mean, no one was sitting there talking about, here's a guy who eventually could dominate the league, change the way the game is played, win a couple of MVPs, and uh, lead his team to an NBA championship. <laughs> but there, there's some things in there where there might be, uh, there, there, there's the, the scouting report wasn't just, this guy's going to be a clown. If you draft him, you should lose your job and all that nonsense. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, he'll never play in the NBA. He needs to stay in the Adriatic League and uh, make a career out of there, maybe go back to uh, Europe and play at one of the higher levels of basketball over there because in the NBA, he's never going to do anything. At least it wasn't something like that. I mean, there was some, hey, if he gets this together, if he got that together. But that just had to be like, oh, I guess you're just looking at glass half full scenarios, right? Because he ain't ever going to be this, that, and the other, this, that, and the other. And the Lord have mercy, nobody ever, 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 ever thought that he would turn into this, which is the reason why he was drafted number 41 in the um, 2014 NBA draft. So, hey, man, it's going to be a situation where we, we see this all the time especially when you talk about European players, that um, there's going to be a wave of Nikola Jokic-type pros- uh, prospects or prospects who have the same similar type of scattering port as Jokic coming up in the next couple of years. It's going to be a European big man who's going to have size, who's going to have um, passing ability, who's going to be able to do some things who's going to be an underwhelming athlete, but people are going to say, well, I mean, he might not turn into Nikola Jokic, but if we can, you know, get him in better shape and the way that he plays basketball or we can fit him in a nice system, uh, he could survive. He can do some things for us. He, he, could, he could be a player. I, I, I don't think, I, I think Nikola Jokic is the outlier in terms of underwhelming, talented, or excuse me, underwhelming athletic specimens going on to achieve what Jokic has achieved. 
But they might not be looking for that. The team might be like, hey, look, man, we we need a center who can uh, give us 20 to 25 minutes a game and do things similar to uh, Jokic. Rebound, score a little bit, initiate the offense, use his basketball IQ to make other players better. That's what I'm talking about where I'm talking about changing the game. It's not going to be a matter of, well, you know, what's his vertical? Well, uh, you know, how fast is he? Well, uh, you know, it's not going to be any of that skill. I think it's making a little bit more of a comeback than just pure athleticism. And before I go to break, how about this, man? Before I get up and do my boogie, how about this? You take a look at the last five MVPs in the NBA. Giannis from Greece, Jokic from Serbia, Embiid from Africa. This is very quickly no longer becoming the dominant game for Americans. And especially for my community. I mean, we've always had that, right? Everybody's known that, right? I mean, when we speak about, you know, stereotypes in the black community, community is what? Eating fried chicken and watermelon, rapping, dancing, singing, and um, playing basketball, right? I mean, that's kind of like the stereotype is kind of known around the world. Like the black man in terms of the basketball game in 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 this country, uh, we are dominant. We are uh, the bee's knees. Where has that player gone? Because the next guy, supposedly, who's supposed to take the league by storm and change it to um, unbelievable levels is from France, Victor Wimbanyata. So there's there's not an American coming down the pike that's looking to replace a LeBron in terms of the next great top five, top ten, all-time great player. Where is the next Stephen Curry? Where is the next LeBron James? Where is the next Kobe Bryant? Now, it, it could be Brandon Miller. It could be Scoot Henderson. It, it, it could be, if he ever got his act together, Zion. It, it, it could be, um, it could be um, Jason Tatum as he continues to develop. It could be one of those uh, Americans. But, but right now, in terms of when you think about the best players in the league, uh, it's Jokic, it's Embiid, it's Luka. It's it's those guys. It's Giannis. It's those guys. I mean, we, we had a discussion going down the pike about, you know, who were the three deserving MVPs in the league. And it was Giannis. It was Jokic. And it was Embiid. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't hear an American in that uh, discussion. Again, it could be Devin Booker in a few years. It could be Jason Tatum in a few years. But um, it could be Scoot, Scoot Henderson in a few years. I, but 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 on the horizon, who else is there? What else is there? Because, again, the next guy who's supposed to change the way the game is played and how we look at the game is seven foot five Victor Wimbignana, who might go down, who's already talked about, being talked about being one of the greatest players of all time, even before he laced up some boots. What did Wojnowski um, uh, say? Like, hey, look, man, scout, scouts are talking about him being the greatest prospect ever in team sports. More than John Elway, more than... Bryce Harper, more than any of those guys, more than LeBron James. So, you know, wake up to the uh, American uh, basketball player, man. I, I don't know what you have to do. Maybe you need to do less AAU and more skill sets, or I don't know what you need to do. I don't know if going overseas to start playing um, pro basketball when you're 16, 17. I don't know if um, overtime elite or any of these other um, America-based programs, basketball leagues, where, you know, you can forego going to college maybe it's going to be college i don't know what it is but all i know right now is that the european player is um 
or I wouldn't say dominant because dominant means that it's being overrun in terms of the best players in the league. We, we, we still have Americans being the best players in the league, but man, you're speaking about the gap closing. What better examples than you need than you need over the last what four or five years that uh, the Europeans are here to stay, and some of these Europeans are here to dominate. Nikola Jokic ain't going anywhere unless he gets injured. Joel Embiid ain't going nowhere. Giannis ain't going nowhere. These are going to be three of the top five or six basketball players in the game for the foreseeable future, and none of them were born and raised in this country. None of them competed in the AAUs. None of them went to, um, you know, went to uh, any of these uh, back basketball factories like Flynn Hill or, um, you know, IG, IMG or any of those, any of those uh, basketball um, uh, teams or basketball schools. So the American, especially from my community, be on the alert. You be a be, you better be aware that Europeans are coming and they ain't taking no prisoners. Last segment of the podcast, last segment of the program. Ooh, it feels good to get back on the stick. Ooh, feels good to be speaking about um, uh, what's going on in the NBA, what's happening in the world of sports. Going to be speaking about the NBA draft afterwards. I'm not going to get too deep on it, too deep in on it. Um, what's going to be happening at number two between Scoot and Victor? Oh, excuse me, excuse me, Scoot and Brandon Miller. In terms of uh, who's going to be drafting and what's going to be happening with Portland and what's going to be happening with the situation with Portland, where they're going to be drafting, if they're going to be drafting at number three, what does that mean for Dame Lillard? All of these scenarios, the number three pick, is that in play? The number four pick, is that in play? The number five pick, is that in play? Because we know the number one pick ain't in play. So um, I think Victor, um, I'm recording this on a Monday night, I think Victor has already touched down here in the uh, racist, ignorant, divided states of America, and uh, he's ready to do a thing. Go to the uh, go to the deal and uh, get drafted by the San Antonio Spurs, the best organization that he could go to amongst the um, lottery teams. And I guess I include my Washington Wizards in that discussion also. So, uh, yeah, he's going to the best organization with the best coach to give him the best opportunity to fulfill the enormous potential that he has to become not just a very good player, not just a great player, but become one of the greatest basketball players of all time. So, okay, that ain't pressure for you, huh? Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. I want to talk about the Bradley Beal trade, my Washington Wizards trading Bradley Beal to the Phoenix Suns, which was surprising because if you were following this, um, the Miami Heat 
were allegedly supposed to be the ones that were making the strongest pull or the strongest um, effort to obtain Bradley Beal. Um, but uh, no, Bradley Beal is going to be going to the Phoenix Suns. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what this means in terms of the Phoenix Suns. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what they're trying to do. I know that they have a new owner. I know that he played for Tom Izzo at Michigan State, so he should know something about basketball. But um, th- this looks kind of similar to when um, Mikhail Prokhorov bought the Brooklyn Nets and just spent money like a drunken sailor and um, didn't work out for him. But um, Wizards are going to reportedly trade Beal to Phoenix. Um, they're finalizing a trade to send Beal to the Phoenix Sun for a package expected to include Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, several second-round picks, and a pick swap. And pick swap. So th- this could be a si- this is a situation where look, Bradley Beal is making uh, way too much money for his importance and his impact on the team. Um, the new ownership or the new um, leadership group of my Wizards know this. So it's a situation. Look, man, we're just trying to get off of this guy's contract. Oh, and it makes it a little bit harder for him to come close in terms of the Wizards, Michael Weiner, um, to come close to um, recouping some type of uh, value for this trade with Beal when Beal has a no uh, has a um, no trade clause on his contract, which again is so Washington wizardry. Well, when you speak about all of the dumb moves, when you think about all of the head-scratching moves, when you think about all of the debilitating moves that the Wizards have made over the years, ever since I was a teenager, over 40 years ago, I don't know if there's been a worse stretch of general managers running one sports franchise in any sport anywhere on the globe than the Washington Wizards slash Bullets, Bullets slash Wizards. As far as I can remember, from Wes Unsell to uh, Bob Ferry to, um, oh my goodness, who else was in there? When when, when you speak about the er- Ernie Grunfeld, Tommy Shepard, um, John Nash, when you, when you speak about the plethora of just incompetent and inept owners who have been leading the Washington Wizards, you kind of realize, oh, that's the reason why Bullet Fever hasn't beaten the Iceman and won a championship since 1979. That's why for most of these decades, they've been completely irrelevant. Because the people making the decision on building a championship team were completely incompetent. Time after time. <laughs> time after time after time after time after time. I mean, can we go back to um, Bob Ferry when he decided that he was going to select Muggsy Bogues was the number one pick over Carl Malone, or was it Kenny Green? I forgot what it was. Can we speak about the stupidity of drafting Manute Bowl to have the uh, recognition that the Washington then Bullets drafted the shortest and the tallest players in NBA history? Can we speak about all of the nonsense that went through with the early Grunfeld era, where he basically had set back this franchise at least 10 years? At least 10 years! At least 10 years! When that dumb motherfucker decided that he was going to uh, trade um, for Randy Foy and Mike Miller instead of drafting, oh, I don't know, some guy named Steph Curry, when he decided to, instead of drafting Clay Thompson, which the head coach at that time, Flip Saunders, was begging Ernie Grunfeld to do, instead of drafting um, Clay Thompson, he decided to draft John Vesely. <laughs> 
<sighs> man, it's tough being a Wizards fan, man. But so so basically, another another dumb decision. Whether it was Abe Poland near the end and now Ted Leonis, I don't know whose decision it was. Maybe look, maybe it was Leonis's idea to say to show our to show our gratitude and to show our love and to show our support and to show other teams how well we take care of ours. Must not only overpay for Bradley Beal and give him a max extension, which nobody in the NBA was going to come close to. Not only that, let's put in a no trade clause. A no trade clause. No, we're not talking about LeBron James when he left Cleveland, when he took his talents to South Beach the first time. No, we're not talking about Tim Duncan in his prime. No, we're not talking about Shaquille O'Neal when he came to the Lakers. No, we're not talking about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he left Milwaukee to go to the Lakers. No, we're not talking about Kobe. No, we're not talking about Michael Jordan. No, we're not talking about those players who would deserve to have a no-trade clause in their uh, contracts. We're speaking about Bradley Flippin' Beal. That's what the Wizards did. So because of that, um, the new um, the new group was, was, was hamstrung. Because you couldn't trade him for the number three pick. You couldn't trade him to Charlotte. You couldn't trade him anywhere because why? Beal has a no trade clause. For a guy, again, making max contract dollars. Over four years and over $200 million left on the contract for a guy who's only played 90 games over the past two seasons due to injury. A guy who's about to turn 30 has never been a strong defender and the three-point shooting has declined considerably in recent years. One of the main reasons which gave him the opportunity to sign that contract. Look, I don't blame Bradley Beal. If someone's giving my money now and then I'll ask for a trade to get off the sinking ship later. He loved the area. I mean, why not the D.C., the DMV? How could you not love that area? I mean, he wasn't playing in Sacramento. He wasn't playing in Indiana. Man, my, my, my man was playing in Chocolate City. How in the world could you not enjoy living in the Washington, um, Washington D.C. metropolitan area? How could you not love that area? Of course you would want to stay there. But for heaven's sakes alive, you took a look at Tommy Shepard and was like, man, I can't, I'm not doing anything with these guys. I'm never going to win with these guys. So the Wizards, being very wizardry because of that, again, hamstrung themselves on how much they could um, get for Bradley Beal. So for Phoenix, I don't know why you do this. Now, I understand that you have um, a foursome of Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and now DeAndre Ayton. I don't, I don't know if DeAndre Ayton... I don't know if firing Monty Williams was the panacea for DeAndre Ayton's mood swings or inconsistent play. I don't know. Um, I remember a couple of years ago when Phoenix made that run to the NBA championship, he did an excellent job on Nikola Jokic in the second round of the um, of the Western Conference uh, Finals. I mean, he did a great job on him. This season, not a chance. I don't know if that was mental. I don't know if that because he was... Not like digging Chris Paul. I don't. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was because of injury. So I, I don't know really the situation. I'm not privy to the situation going on with DeAndre Ayton and his and his um, relationship that he has with the Phoenix Suns. But I do know he no longer has the coach there that uh, that was questioning. Um, I don't know. I don't know if questioning was the right word, but you know, really didn't believe in him 100. percent uh, the one guy who's an irritant to everybody, uh, Chris Paul, 
he's no longer with the team. So I don't I don't know what that means for DeAndre Ayton moving forward because there was a time, again, where and I think all of this started in terms of him kind of going south was when he had an excellent year and everybody was talking about, oh, he's bought in and now he's playing more defense and, 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 and rebounding and doing the things that a big man's going to do and he's bought into that more than shooting jump shots and trying to score 25 a game. And, uh, you know, Chris Paul and Devin Booker has done a great job on him and now he's one of these... He's one of these rising NBA centers, and with all of those platitudes, with all of that attention, with all of those niceties said about him, Robert Sarver, Robert Sarver, the racist piece of shit owner of the Phoenix Suns, was like, "No, nah, I'm still not going to give you a max contract. Sorry." So, and, and I, I think that might have started the kind of sour attitude that DeAndre Hayden, Hayden had toward um, the Phoenix Suns organization, and then. Um, you know, Monty Williams, that whole scenario in Game 7 of the Western Conference semifinals against Dallas a few years ago. And then, uh, you know, Indiana gives him an offer sheet and Phoenix agrees to, to match it. We don't know what that's about. And so all of this murkiness surrounding DeAndre Ayton, it's going to be interesting to, how, to see how that play out plays out. But if they do decide to keep that team, are they better than Denver? No. <laughs> Can you trust not only Bradley Beal in terms of the injury front, but can you trust Kevin Durant in terms of uh, injuries and being available? No. Now, I'm speaking mainly about the regular season, and, and, and maybe this is a situation where it's like, look, man, we really don't care about what's happening in the regular season with Kevin Durant. If he can play 52 games, if he can play 55 games, if he can play 61 games, okay, let's just have him be ready to Booker had missed some time because of injury. We've already seen Bradley Beal's injury history. So is this going to be a situation where, I don't know. I don't know how Bradley Beal and Devin Booker, two guys who need to have the ball to be efficient all the time, I don't know how that's going to work. Devin Booker definitely ain't going to change this game. There's going to have to be some changing of the way that a, that a player plays when you have this foursome. And the last time I checked, Devin Booker ain't going to be asked to change his game. And last time I checked, Kevin Durant is not going to be asked to change his game. So the guy that is going to be asked to be changing his game is going to be Bradley Beal, who was the number one option in um, in D.C. for years upon years, especially after John Wall left. So it'll be interesting to see if he can adapt to a new role. And for a guy who's going to be making over $200 million over four years, he's going to be nothing more than a spot-up shooter. He's, not, he's going to be nothing more than a third option that's going to average 17, 18 a game. You better be winning championships if that's going to be the plan, if that's going to be the scenario for Bradley Beal. If you have a guy making over $200 million over the next four years, and he's going to be nothing more than a third option who's going to average 17, 18 points a game, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker better be performing some magic. And I don't know if it's going to be um, campaign. I don't know who, who else. I don't know who the point guard's going to be. I don't, I don't. I don't know what. Uh, I don't know what DeAndre Ayton's going to do, but um, you know they better do something. They better do something because when Durant misses four to six weeks during the regular season because of injury, when Bradley Beal is only going to be playing forty-five to fifty-two games because of injury, you're going to put all that wear and tear on Devin Booker, and then say, "Don't worry, by the time the playoffs come around, we'll be fine." Really? Okay. I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, you saw what Miami did to reach the final 
you saw what the Denver Nuggets did in terms of reaching and winning a championship. Phoenix is still going old school with that. Okay. We shall see. We shall see. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. Let me end with this. I was thinking about this because um, there's really not too much to say with John Morant being suspended 25 games to uh, start the season uh, because he wants to act like a knucklehead. But I was just thinking, you know, if you take a look at the um, 2019 NBA draft class, especially uh, draft picks number one and number two, which was Zion Williamson and um, John Morant. Man, this has the possible makings of being one of the most disappointing and worst draft classes over the last 30 years when you're thinking about the 2019 NBA draft if both those guys cannot get their act together. Now, it's very doable more for Morant than it is Zion. Look, the thing with Zion, look, I don't care that he's banging porn stars, all this other nonsense like, you know, he got a girl pregnant and all of a sudden now... uh, Adult film actress, because not all adult film stars are, or, you know, I hate that word porn star. That's thrown around so flippantly, so easily. Let me tell you something, man. Lisa Ann, porn star. Cherokee Dath, porn star. Julie Cash, porn star. Jada Fire, porn star. Uh, Mariah Mills, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just I mean, I mean, it, it, do we call every NBA player an NBA superstar? No, no, we're, we're not going up there talking about, hey, Monty Morris, that NBA superstar, he plays for that. No, no, we're we're not doing that. Hey, Jeff Green, NBA superstar who won a championship with the Denver Nuggets. No, no, we're not doing that. We're not calling Jeff Green a superstar. We're not calling French players superstars. We're not calling guys who are eighth and ninth. Rotation, you know, you know, number eight and nine on the rotation. We're not calling them superstars. They're NBA players. You know, let, let's leave that moniker for the ones who have paid the way. Ebony Ayers, porn star. Again, Lisa Ann, porn star. Mariah Mills? Nah, I don't think so. Now, if she, if she could have some sex on camera with some black guys, I mean, it'd be a nice little change of pace. But I, oh, yeah, I forgot she said that she retired in 2019. Whatever. But the thing is, is that, hey, look, you know, I mean, if I'm, if I'm Zion, hell, if I'm me right now, if I'm, am I turning down Mariah Mills? No. But I <laughs> just, so it's all that nonsense about, oh, I can't believe that he got this girl pregnant and he's in this drama, blah, blah, blah. Hey, man, I'm not, I'm not worried about any of that. Here's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about the fact that Brian Windhorst on his uh, podcast was talking about Zion has no relationship whatsoever with his teammates or with the uh, New Orleans Pelicans organization. And I'm much, much, much more concerned about him staying healthy more than I am about him banging porn actresses. I don't care about the uh, that, that nonsense. I don't care, man. You give me that opportunity all night long, like Lionel Richie, at least I'd give it a shot. But I mean, I'm more concerned about the fact that um, this guy can't stay healthy. I can't. I, I don't know how dedicated. I don't know how invested he is to uh, living up to his potential. And people talk about, yeah, man, when Zion's on the court, he's unbelievable. You know, a guy who's shooting sixty percent for his career, he's unstoppable. Twenty six and a half points a game, all of those things. Yeah, that's true. And the guy's only what twenty two, twenty three years old. Yeah, all that is true. But are you going to invest long term in this guy? And when I say invest long term. 
I mean, if you're the New Orleans Pelicans, are, are you willing to uh, invest in Zion Williamson when we don't know what he's going to be at the age of 30 or 32? And look, the guy's 23. So, yeah, he's got a lot of miles. and He's got a lot of other things um, ahead of him. A lot of unforeseen obstacles and everything ahead of him. But my, my point is that a guy at that size, a guy who plays with that force, and a guy who's already getting injured, wh- what are we going to be looking at five, six, seven, eight years from now, even if he somehow in his younger self overcomes these and plays about 65 to 72 games? That force, though that he plays, what is he going to look like when, oh, I don't know, he'll probably be making 55, 60, 65 million dollars, depending upon what the salary cap is going to be in six or seven years. How is Zion going to look then? How impactful is Zion going to be then? So, so that's my whole deal with Zion Williams and his propensity to be injured all the time. His lack of, I don't know, maybe, I mean, when you're that big and you get out of shape, man, it takes a long time to get back into shape. And that effort that he does to get back into shape, how is that going to um, affect the way that he plays? Because it's going to take so much energy to get back into shape. How susceptible will he be to be injured again? Whether it be a hamstring, whether it be a knee, whether it be a joint, whether it be a tendon. I mean, how, uh, what are we speaking about? Freak athlete, yes, but we've never seen anything like Zion with the way that he plays in his sides, his explosiveness. I mean, what what are we looking at? I'm not just talking about for next year. I'm talking about for three years from now, five years from now, ten years from now. If you're the New Orleans Pelicans, and are you willing to um, are you willing to keep up with this guy's bullshit again? Nothing to do again. If if his relationship was great with his teammates, and he was focusing on his craft. And he was trying to get himself into the best, uh, the best shape possible. And as a hobby, he was running around um, banging poor stars. Fine, hey man, as long as you're getting your work done and everything, hey man, you know, have at it, have at it. You know, find out where Jada Fire is, find find out where Miss Booty is, find out where all them girls are, and have at it. You're a big enough guy; you should be able to handle that. Find out where Pinky is, and once she loses about 40, 50 pounds, you know, get on with her. I don't care what you do. Just as long as you're being um, dedicated to your craft and to your game, that worries me more than anything else. His relationship with his teammates and in the um, organization itself, and what's he doing to get himself in the optimal shape to reduce the opportunities to um, get injured again. So there you go. And and with Morant, I don't know, man. I mean, st- stop hanging around clowns that are going to make you look dumb. 25 games, you deserved it. So I might pick that up later on in my podcast over the summer. All right. Oh, I felt good. I want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Oh, that felt tremendous. I'm going to, uh, whew, I'm going to relax, get something to eat. There's no sports, man. Like I was telling somebody the other day at work, man, we got 11 straight weeks weekends, Saturdays and Sundays, where there's going to be no football, there's going to be no basketball. So what you going to do? What you going to do? So, um, yeah, I'm excited about 
uh, getting revved up, watching a little bit more baseball, and uh, just enjoying my summer out here in Vegas where it gets to be, what, 185 degrees at night, so looking forward to that summer heat bullshit. Oh, I forgot, though. It's a dry heat. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast, um, and as I always say, hey, man, you know, do what you need to do to make this world and make this place a better place to be. Listen, learn the folks different from you. Respect them. Respect those who need to be respected. All right? You good? I'm good. And I'm out. Music. <laughs>